Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This show is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out if you're a commercial agent. There's 21 one-hour videos. It is the best commercial agent training you have ever seen in your life. I guarantee it. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, we have a show today that's been a, a long time in the making. We're going to talk about real estate and the cannabis industry. And it's interesting because it's it's a topic that we've avoided on the show. It's like, oh, do we want to be involved in a cannabis show, right? But is wow, is it becoming worldwide? Is it becoming a, a sector that in commercial real estate we want to know about? Well, please welcome my guest. It's Anthony Coniglio. He is CEO of New Lake Capital Partners. Anthony, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Excited for our conversation today. Well, thank you. And tell me first about New Lake Capital, kind of what you guys do and, and, and what makes you different. New Lake Capital Partners, we are a publicly traded REIT, triple net lease REIT. We own 31 properties across 12 states. Um, we own industrial and retail properties that are used exclusively in the cannabis sector. So we own about 15 cultivation facilities um, where you grow and you manufacture cannabis products. And then we own 16 dispensaries where um, you have the retail activities for the sector. We were founded in 2019 and we went public in 2021 under the ticker symbol NLCP. New Lake Capital Partners. Great. The dispensaries that you have, are they in states where it's recreational cannabis is legal or in, in medical states as well? Or? Both. We own uh, dispensaries in both medical only states as well as recreational only states. And currently you have about 44 states in the country that have legalized cannabis for medical purposes. And you have 24 states representing over half of the U.S. population, 24 states half of the U.S. population where it's open for recreational purposes, like in Illinois would be an example. What's the trend there on legalization of recreational cannabis? It has been growing. You have seen uh, last year, last November, excuse me, we flipped the year. So in 2022, you saw Missouri approve at the ballot box an initiative to legalize adult use cannabis. And that program launched early in 2023. More recently, you saw Ohio legalize at the ballot box in 2020, in November of 23, a program that will launch later this year. Um, and what you're starting to see now, and, and it gets a little bit to the politics of it, you're starting to see more of the red states like a Missouri and an Ohio move from and transition from medical to adult use. And I think you'll continue to see that occur. What about public opinion of the cannabis industry and and, and involving real estate? Uh, it's been evolving. I yeah. think it's been evolving just the way my perspective evolved from mm -hmm. what I saw, say, in college to I'm 55. So to what I see today and why I'm involved in the industry, Gallup runs a poll where they've been polling for the past probably 15 years um, sentiment around cannabis, mm -hmm. both for medical purposes as well as recreational use. And medical is continually polled above 90%. And in October, they released their most recent report and recreational use cannabis approval in the U.S has now hit 70%. That's pretty significant. Not much in this country that we can all agree upon, yeah. but 70% of us believe that cannabis should be recre uh, excuse me, legal for any purpose. That's interesting. What about the uh, financing on uh, cannabis 
uh, properties that are leased, are, are they financeable? Are, are banks willing to do that? Very, very limited. What's, uh, what's really fascinating um, is that most landlords own, uh, that don't, obviously you're a landlord, you own real estate. Most mm -hmm. landlords have debt on their real estate. Mm -hmm. Within those debt agreements, there's an innocuous provision that says that anybody you lease to has to operate their business legally. We never really think about that provision, but when you have a cannabis tenant, you, they're illegal under the federal law, under the Controlled Substances Act. So many, many times you'll have a landlord lease out to a cannabis tenant only to have the bank say, if you don't um, evict this tenant, we will pull your debt. And as we all know in the real estate industry, that's a no-no. So we've seen a lack of capital available to the industry. Um, part of it is societal. Some people say, I don't wanna be involved in that industry, mm -hmm. consider it a sin industry like you would alcohol or uh, or gambling. Um, and some of it is uh, is just that they have these debt facilities and their illegal activities and they can't rent to them. But therein lies the opportunity for why we started New Lake. Yeah, that's interesting. So how does that impact the cap rates, if you will, on the properties that you guys are buying? Uh, higher cap rates. And you look yeah. at our portfolio across mm -hmm. the 31 properties, um, and we have this on our website and our uh, in our investor materials, it's over 12% across the portfolio. Wow. So higher cap rates, again, it's a mix of industrial and retail. The retail properties have a slightly lower cap rate, but there's meaningful risk. This is a nascent industry and mm -hmm. it's been using a fair amount of debt mm -hmm. um, and it's gone through a rough patch over the last 18 to 24 months, mm -hmm. but it's a nascent industry. And so there is a risk premium associated with it. The reason I said before, some banks are providing capital. Um, we, for instance, have a $90 million credit facility from mm -hmm. three banks. Um, those banks, why are they doing business with us? Because they see a professionally managed portfolio of mm -hmm. diversified properties across mm -hmm. 12 states, and they feel more comfortable about our ability to manage that. Now, we have zero leverage on the business today. We haven't yet tapped that uh, facility, but there are a limited number of banks, but they'll only do it for people that really understand the industry because of the specialized underwriting that's required um, to make sure that you're picking the right tenants to pay rent over the 15 to 20 year lease terms. That makes sense. And tell, talk to us about the tenants. Uh, for instance, uh, are they able to do business with banks? Are they will banks even do finance do their operations yeah and and so some people actually think do you get rent in a bag and it's all cash <laughs> no we don't get rent in all cash um if somebody can't send us uh, a wire transfer you know, we won't do business with them our tenants are some of the leading companies in the industry names like a cureleaf or a true leave or a cresco just to name a few um, and there are banks that service the industry for traditional banking resources um, in fact fincen which is a department of the treasury u.s treasury department financial uh, crimes enforcement network mm -hmm. fincen has a special sar or suspicious activity report um, that banks can fill out to provide services to state legal businesses, such as our tenants. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there are over 500 uh, banks that are sending in these SARS on a quarterly basis to the Treasury Department. Um, so there are banks that service it. They're not necessarily lending against properties, but they are providing your traditional banking services, such as wire transfers, uh, deposit taking activities. Um, and so we'll only do business with companies that have the ability to navigate that. 
if I may, one further point on this, there is a bill in Congress um, called the Safer Banking Bill, which has been uh, debated. It actually passed for the first time ever out of the Senate Banking Committee in the in September of 23. Um, and while there's a lot of excitement around the industry for this, they think it'll make financial services more accessible mm-hmm. instead of 600 banks servicing the industry. We have over 3,000 banks in the country. It'll provide a safe harbor to, bank, harbor to banks. Um, but it's going to be a long road for that legislation to get through. We at New Lake don't think that it actually passes here in 2024. I so see. still a limited set of service providers. Anthony, what about competition for your tenants? Uh, is there a barrier of entry? And is it different for different states? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. A, it's a great question. Um, each state creates its own infrastructure and its own set of rules. It's one of the difficulties that the industry has to deal with. You actually have to replicate. Let me say that since cannabis is illegal under the Controlled Substances Act and you can't transport the product across state lines, each company has to replicate its business model in each state it operates in. Mm. And some states such as Connecticut or Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania are more restrictive in the number of licenses that they provide versus let's say a Colorado and Oregon or California where licenses are much easier to come by. Hundreds, if not thousands. In fact, at one point in Oregon, there were over 3,000 licenses. Mm. Compare that to Illinois where much larger state by population, they started their program with only 24 licenses. And so that's part of our underwriting, but it's also really important to truly understand the business. And as you can imagine, if you're operating in a state that has 23, 24 competitors, your your pricing power uh, and your ability to maintain Mm -hmm. margin is a lot better than competing in a state like Oregon or Colorado where there's hundreds, if not thousands of competitors. How profitable are these tenants? Some of them are very profitable. In fact, some of our retail locations rival revenue per square foot um, for a Tiffany's or an Apple store. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we do publish four wall coverage for our portfolio. And if you look at the average across our dispensaries, the average is 10. Now we have some who are doing four to five times EBITDA coverage. We have some that are doing close to 20 times EBITDA coverage, insane. Even on the industrial side, you look across the portfolio and the average across the industrial portfolio is running over four times EBITDA coverage. and was as high as five at one point. Um, and so we think that those are a couple of the key markers that certainly we look at when we underwrite transactions in the sector. What do you think about the future of uh, cannabis real estate? Um, well, again, I, I, I mean, I could use a lot of puns. It's smoking. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a greenfield opportunity. There's meaningful growth ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And the reason is this industry isn't creating a new product. It's not creating new consumers necessarily mm-hmm. right now. Um, it just needs to convert those activities that are already taking place in the illicit market into the legal channel. Mm-hmm. So many estimates say that the cannabis industry today is a $100 billion industry, rivaling alcohol, rivaling many other industries. Um, but 75% of that is in the illicit channel mm. and only 25 or roughly 25 billion is in those state legal businesses. So this industry will continue to grow as the, um, as the operators convert sales from that illicit channel to the legal channel. And in order to support that growth, 
you need real estate. You mm -hmm. need to be able to cultivate the cannabis. You need to be able to manufacture the final form factors. That could be a vape pen, could be flour for consuming, could be an edible. Um, you need to package those, deliver those to the retail dispensary. And so we see continued growth in industrial real estate needs for the sector um, as, as the growth in the manufactured products increases. But we also see significant need on the retail side as you are growing the distribution um, footprint for the industry. Do you have to grow it and sell it in the same state? Yes. Wow. Yes, you have to replicate um, your entire business in the same state. What's really unique about this industry right now um, is let's use McDonald's as an example. Um, if you were McDonald's in this industry, you would need to grow the potato, harvest the potato, shave the potato into French fries. You need to deliver the French fries to the store, fry the fries, and then put them on the counter and deliver them to the consumer at the point of sale. Wow. You would need to do everything. And so over a long period of time, this industry will certainly commoditize. I don't see those um, state barriers coming down anytime soon. A lot of people think interstate commerce is around the corner. We certainly don't believe that. We think interstate commerce is probably at least eight, if not uh, 10 plus years off into the future. What are the benefits uh, for income for the municipalities and for the states and cities uh, where these are located? Uh, another great question and really is part of what's driven, I believe, the um, uh, the growth in the industry and, and the conversion from medical to recreational for some states. There's significant tax revenues as well as significant um, opportunities for labor force participation in these individual states. In fact, when you look at the labor department um, and you look at uh, what they call a shadow tracking of, of the industry, there are hundreds, there's estimated to be over 400,000 jobs in the cannabis industry across the US. I've seen some estimates as, fi as, as high as half a million. In fact, it's been one of the fastest growing jobs creation sectors in the economy over the last five years. Hmm. Um, and so states like that, they're not only getting the tax revenue on the sales in the industry, but they're getting the payroll taxes. They're seeing their local economies boom because people are getting put to work in those states. Um, so there's a lot of incentives at the state level. What about the politicians that would vote to legalize cannabis in these markets? Do, do they get reelected? <laughs> they fear that? Yeah, I, I think some of them fear that, but yeah. I think what we're starting to see is, um, is public officials getting reelected, having supported cannabis. And I believe if you're a national politician, mm -hmm. you'll look at what happens in the local races to really understand your constituency. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing in states like Ohio, Missouri, or even states like in Illinois um, that have legalized, you're not seeing politicians saying that they paid a price at the ballot box for supporting cannabis, whether it be medical or recreational. Um, and so I think the more states that convert without a quote unquote political price, I think the more comfort politicians will take in being able to support cannabis. And if, and we can't talk about marijuana and cannabis without asking you this about stickiness. <laughs> how, how sticky are these tenants? How, how long are these leases? Yeah, our leases tend to be uh, 15 to 20 year leases. Our weighted average remaining lease term is somewhere around 14 years right now. Um, and so these are 
in in our opinion, sticky leases, particularly on the retail locations. Mm -hmm. We think that um, once you have consumer behavior and once you have consumer habit, we think that those retail locations will persist. And the best example I can give you is many of your listeners may be in states where alcohol sales are very restrictive. If you're in Pennsylvania right now listening to this, you have to go to a package store in order to purchase alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, my home state of Connecticut, similar, you have to go to a liquor store in order to purchase liquor. Um, and so in these states, I think you'd find that those alcohol and liquor distributors tend to be in the exact same location today as they were 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And so even though we have a 10 or 15, 20 year lease term with five year renewals, we think those renewals will be taken up and we think those properties will persist for a long period of time as cannabis, especially given some of the zoning restrictions, right? There are lots of local zoning restrictions, distance from uh, a house of worship, distance from a school, um, distance from maybe other retail center uh, uh, categories. Um, and so given those limitations, we expect a lot of these properties to continue as cannabis properties going forward. What is the sense you get from the, the market, uh, if you will, about uh, you being in this industry, I mean, are, are you still getting, you get any pushback from that? Like, what? What are you doing in cannabis? <laughs> Initially, we did. Yeah. Um, my career, I started at Price Waterhouse in my mm -hmm. career, and I spent nearly 15 years at JP Morgan running mm -hmm. various businesses. Um, and, and certainly when I speak to some of my former colleagues and at the mm -hmm. beginning when we started in 2019, they heard what I was doing. There was a lot of side eyes and quite like, really? What is this? <laughs> but I think what we've yeah. seen is um, the nation as a whole uh, and therefore our networks are becoming more familiarized with the benefits of cannabis mm -hmm. from a medical perspective. I mean, it's really hard to have any conversation with anyone in the US today who isn't touched either by cancer or by um, uh, heroin or by overdose deaths. And what we've seen is cannabis being able to provide cancer patients with appetite, appetite stimulant or nausea control. We've seen the FDA approve a drug entirely derived from cannabis called Epidiolex mm. to control epilepsy. Mm. Um, we've seen the federal government approve, there's a bill in Congress right now that's uh, approved and going through reconciliation to allow the Veterans Administration mm. to uh, prescribe cannabis for veterans um, for PTSD and uh, other pain management, use it as pain management for an alternative to uh, oxycodone or other, um, uh, other drugs that are more addictive. And so I think as people come across these experiences and we talk about it more, I think people have a realization that it's not what they thought it was back when they were teenagers or perhaps in college. Um, there's real medical uses and it's a safer alternative to alcohol. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I'm in a, a group. One of the groups I'm in is a cigar group and a bunch of real estate guys. And there's other guys in this group and, and ladies. Uh, but I was talking to uh, one of the guys and he's older than me, very conservative guy. And he tells me, yeah, I had a lot of problems with sleeping and mm. it was causing me other health issues. And he said, yeah, and I do these edibles and they're, they're small concentrations. He said, but it just really changed my life. And it's it's like, I'm like, you're, you're 
you're doing cannabis? I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. We, I, we hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a significant sleep mm -hmm. aid, mm -hmm. um, also anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when I go on the tours for our properties and, and looking at new properties, I'll mm -hmm. be in a dispensary in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And I'm always looking at who's in that dispensary. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll tell you a story about one I did recently where, you know, for sure there was an individual mid twenties, he looked like he was getting ready for the weekend. But there was a woman walking through that dispensary. Her hood was up, sunglasses were on, mm -hmm. and her behavior really suggested, you know, some sort of anxiety that she was going through. Mm -hmm. There was another guy dressed in uh, military fatigues mm -hmm. with a limp, had a cane. Um, I don't want to project what it possibly was, but I could tell by the dialogue with the bud tender, they call them bud tenders, yeah. um, that he was looking for pain relief. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've seen firsthand uh, the benefits that it can provide some folks. And I certainly have my mother-in-law, in fact, at one point was, maybe she doesn't want me telling everybody this, um, you know, for sleep as a sleep yeah. aid. Um, yeah. I think I think the more it's talked about, the more we're going to realize that people we know um, are consuming cannabis either for medical purposes or even in many cases for recreational purposes. As a landlord with the, I guess, the lack of competing properties or landlords uh, doing this, do you find you get a little bit of higher uh, rent than from other potential businesses? For sure. When we look mm -hmm. at the when we look at the transactions that we've done, mm -hmm. there is a cap rate premium that we get over the market cap rate, uh, anywhere from three hundred to five hundred basis. And rental points. rates too, or rental rates more aligned with the market? Uh, no, no. Rental uh, rates are stronger are too. Are stronger, yes. You get any percentage rent? Uh, no. We are not getting, although we have one deal we modified recently where we have step ups in rent based off of the, um, uh, based off of certain levels of aggregate revenue. Um, but we don't have any rent as a percentage of uh, revenue transactions, all stated, uh, scheduled with you, two and a half across the portfolio, two and a half annual bumps. Okay. Do you find that you have less competition from other landlords in this space? For sure. Yeah. For sure. It's one of the reasons we entered the sector. Yeah. Um, there are only, I would say, two of us that are institutionally still active in the sector mm -hmm. from the period 2019 through 2023. You had, I would say, Michael, probably 10 organizations mm -hmm. try to get up and running. And I'd say of the 10, there are two of us that are really left standing in the public domain that have um, that have strong portfolios uh, and that are growing their businesses. Well, such an interesting business. And, and the properties you're doing are single tenant properties, right? So yes, almost all of them are single tenant. Uh -huh. um, we have one or two properties where maybe there are three uh, on the retail side where there are three storefronts. Uh, we rent to the single tenant and then that tenant will take care of any subleasing, but it's it's yeah. entirely on their bill. So there's subleasing to like companies that sell brownies and burritos? <laughs> <laughs> you laugh, <laughs> you laugh. Um, yeah, <laughs> not necessarily, but it yeah. is uh, it is yeah. something we've talked about for yeah. sure. So you ever uh, have a tenant that uh, you're calling to get the rent, and they go, they go, I don't know, man, I don't know, I don't know if I have it. <laughs> you're kidding. Well, you know, it, it, again, the organizations we deal with are very institutional. Yeah. They're large corporate organizations, yeah. mm -hmm. billion dollar market caps, multi billion dollar market caps. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a situation last year where a tenant was unable to pay rent. They had in 2022 
two successive crop failures mm-hmm. um, where it it destroyed their ability to manufacture product, meet their wholesale contract uh, obligations. In fact, they had to go out and buy third-party product to meet some of those wholesale obligations, significantly drew down um, on their cash resources at a time where the wholesale price for cannabis dropped from $3,000 a pound all the way down to $1,000 a pound. So just think about that. Wow. The, the, the end cost in the wholesale market dropped mm-hmm. 66%. Wow. So the confluence of loss of cash flow, rapid and significant uh, decline in wholesale pricing uh, put significant pressure on them. We were able to resolve that issue. Um, as I've told our investors for years now, I said, it's not that we're never going to have an issue. We're in right. a nascent industry. We absolutely will have an issue. We think we should be judged on how we work out that issue. So we were able to work through that issue with them. We've got them paying back rent. We provided them a little bit of a rent reduction. We took some equity in the company. Mm. Um, we have a number of other features that we put in place to work out. Uh, we got some back rent paid. Um, and so now they're back as a uh, as a paying tenant. And today, as we stand, 100% leased and 100% paying rent. Excellent. And the crops that they had uh, problems with, were those outdoor grow growing facilities? Uh, we only do, we don't do outdoor okay. grows. We only do in, indoor grows. So think mm-hmm. of a traditional industrial building mm-hmm. that's been retrofitted, much the way um, lab space would take an industrial building and retrofit mm-hmm. um, for an interior that's conducive to growing marijuana. So and, if they're indoor, why do they have a problem? Um, you still get mold okay. or mites. And one, one of the issues was mites, where mites went through the facility. These yeah. are small microscopic. And this is still a living organism. Yeah. And you have external inputs such as water and soil um, that go into uh, that go into the product, so you can still have problems. And many times, tenants and, and all of our tenants do segment out the property, and mm-hmm. so you could have a hundred thousand square foot building that's segmented into call it forty rooms. Because if you have a problem in your cultivation, you could limit it to a room or two. Um, whereas if you use a wide open space, some of these organisms are airborne, you can you can destroy the entire crop. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work uh, well. And, and some of these microscopic organisms can still travel through the facility. And hopefully none of these uh, facilities ever catch on fire because I might be over there. <laughs> <laughs> you have to worry about driving by during that fire. It, ha- it has happened and we've, yeah. had, we've had those jokes. Yeah. None of our properties. But. Yeah, that's great. Well, what would you leave our audience with, Andy, think about the cannabis industry and, and real estate moving forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bet that a lot of your listeners at mm-hmm. some point have come across a real estate deal in their market mm-hmm. that has had a cannabis tenant. Um, and I'd say anybody that's considering putting a cannabis tenant, please check your debt facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I can spend the entire time we have together talking about stories of landlords who signed a lease with a cannabis tenant only to have their bank call up and say, um, you sent us the list of, of who your tenants are going to be and we're going to pull your credit facility in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, From an investment perspective, there are many, many people that are looking at cannabis as an investment sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly you can try to pick the winner in that sector. What we like is the picks and shovels approach that we're taking to this Mm -hmm. industry. If you think about the gold rush, there are lots of people that went out west for the gold rush, but the companies that really made the money were the ones that sold them the picks and shovels. Mm -hmm. So we consider ourselves a picks and shovels type of company where we can generate return for our investors. We've grown our dividend every year since we started the company. Um, We pay out a quarterly dividend. So I'll just leave you with the words of our largest investor. I still have the upside opportunity 
in the legalization ultimately of cannabis and what that means as a valuation metric for the stock. And while I'm waiting for that catalyst, you're going to pay me a healthy, healthy quarterly dividend. Um, and because of our above market cap rates and no debt, um, it feels like a pretty safe dividend to many investors. I like it. Great industry. I love what you're doing, Anthony. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All Appreciate right. the time. And thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for watching. Please uh, share the show. And uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For commercial brokerage sales and leasing in the Southeast U.S., contact our show host by email at michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success Strategies, 21 incredible one-hour agent training videos. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. And by Lumet. For senior housing, healthcare, and multifamily financing, visit lumet.com. For more podcasts and videos, subscribe and visit CREshow.com.